Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. We're in a new series for this month of November. If you want to turn your Bibles or use your devices to go to Psalm 34. Psalms is pretty easy to find. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, it's uh, kind of in the middle of your Bible. Uh, before some of the big books like Isaiah. It's right before Proverbs. But Psalm 34 is where we're going to be today. If you want to head that way in your Bible or Pew Bible. Just always a reminder, we have Bibles to give away too. So if you, if you want a Bible today or uh, whether it's a youth Bible, student Bible, study Bible, or you know somebody wants one. We'd love to give one away. I heard just somebody in our congregation this week was saying, talk to her hairstylist about faith and things, and she kind of left church, wants to come back, and offered her a Bible. And she said, sure, you know. So who knows, right? Uh, but anyway, we're in the Bible, Psalm 34, and we are thinking about being thankful for the Lord. Um, well, it's around this time of year that pastors, not unsurprisingly, talk about thankfulness because it's November, right? And we do Thanksgiving stuff this time of the year. Uh, that could include, let's see, uh, things like uh, getting that turkey. Uh, mine doesn't generally look like that, has less feathers. But um, we, getting the turkey or, or what is, you know, going shopping, starting to, to get ready for gift giving at Christmas time. Uh, it could look like uh, football season. I'm excited about football. I'm excited that our, our Vikings football here, Garpal did so well this year. It's fun to go to home games. And, and I forget what team that is. Anyway, uh, uh, and then... And then, like, the Macy's Parade, you might, some of you get excited about that. Oh, and, and all these fun, festive things. I'm not against any of those things, really. Uh, but sometimes we have all of those kind of cultural realities of Thanksgiving. And then we might, depending on your family, we might say a prayer of thanks at the Thanksgiving dinner. And you might have a little tradition in your family. And then, you know, wow, that was good, Thanksgiving, right? Um, and so we want to do something a little bit deeper, not that all that stuff's bad, but to really every November to deepen our lives in gratitude, like rooted in gratitude, to really get deep roots where we are strong uh, in, in, in thanking God for our many blessings. So we want to be rooted in radical gratitude. Do you know rooted and radical, they sound like different words, but they're really related related words. To be rooted is to be radical. Look at the word radical in your mind, and at the beginning of it, you'll see the beginning of the word radish, right? The radish is a root vegetable, and radical means really rooted or of the root in a, in a sense. And, and so you can do radical things like living for the love of God and the justice of God and the goodness of God in this world, no matter what winds come, because you're rooted, right? You're rooted. And and you look at the word gratitude, gratitude, and at the front of gratitude, G-R-A-T-I, is really the same root as grace. Grace, uh, grace is uh, something that's not just a prayer that we pray before a meal, but grace means something that's freely given or unearned gifts. And to be a person of gratitude is, is recognizing, wow, you know, everything I really have in my life is a gift, you know, you didn't create yourself to be born, right? Uh, your life is a gift, and so from then on, every breath you get, you didn't manufacture that breath. It's a gift from God. Every, everything we have is a, a gift, right? 
So we want to be rooted in that giftedness, gratitude, radically, deeply. And really, we have this wonderful tool, the Bible, uh, that, that really teaches us of the, the gift of God, right? The gift of God in life and in relationship with God and how to be radically rooted in God. And so what we're going to do each week, uh, this, this week of November, we've already started it in the Bible studies, and some of you do the Bible app reading plan. We've already started it there as well. We, we want to be rooted in the Psalms and, and look at the Psalms for what can we always be thankful for. The Psalms are going to help teach us each week no matter what winds blow in this world, no matter what's happening, what can we always give thanks for? Because there's this important verse in the New Testament, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, he says give thanks in all circumstance for, circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so that means that no matter what's happening with circumstances, there are some things that we can always give thanks for. Bad stuff happening in your family or bad stuff happening in the world or physical things going on with your body. All kinds of circumstances can happen, but there's some things that we can always give thanks for. And we're going to look to the Psalms to help us remember that and get deeply rooted in that. And today's quite simple. We can always give thanks for the Lord. Full stop, period. We can always give thanks for the Lord. So let's pray as we start this time in the Word. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, dear Lord. For you are our rock and our redeemer. You alone should we rightly fear. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should we be founded upon. You alone, Lord, have, have the life that we need to be rooted in. So Lord, I pray for each person here, each person online, that they would really uh, tune in to, to you, to your spirit, to your word. Lord, through, through this message today that would be an act of worship, I pray that they'd be praying for themselves and the, the people around them. And, and I pray that they'd be praying for this month, that it wouldn't, wouldn't just be the same as every other month, but maybe something special by your grace could happen, Lord. Lord, uh, and help them to pray for me, that I reveal the truth of your word and, and nothing apart from that. Help us to pray for other preachers, that your word would be rightly declared that we, we, Lord, local churches, local believers, could be sharing who you really are, the good, loving God, the gracious God. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So that's kind of our, our, our root verse, if you want to say it that way, giving thanks in all circumstances for, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So God's will for us is to be thankful people, always giving thanks and and so we're going to go now to Psalms 34 to, to remind us how we can always give thanks for God or for the Lord. And this psalm is interesting. You can read the little title there. Mine says in the ESV, it's a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. So we're going to talk more about that. But this psalm has a historical root when David was running in, away from King Saul, David was in bad circumstances. He was running for his life, and he got in the midst of the Philistines, who were enemies as well, and he had to act crazy in order to survive. More on that story. But that's the, the, this psalm came out of reflection of that series of events. So Psalm uh, 34, I'm just going to apologize ahead of time. Our scripture today does not match the scripture that we normally use, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so... I'm going to read to you from the ESV, I believe, uh, starting with verse 1. I will bless the Lord 
at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. This is the, the word of the Lord from Psalm 34. So let's, let's do a little bit of background. Uh, I touched on it a bit. Uh, the, the story comes from the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 21. It's the story of David in an area called Gath. It's where the giant Goliath was from that David had killed earlier in his life with the slingshot, remember? Uh, David had killed the giant. And now David is running from somebody who's supposed to be his mentor. His, his best friend, David's best friend is Jonathan. And it's Jonathan's dad, Saul, that is trying, because Saul is jealous of David. He's, Saul is trying to kill David. And so David is on the run with some of, his, some of his men. And David ends up in a Philistine area, a Philistine area uh, called Gath. And, and the Philistines recognize him as David, the, you know, this, this Jewish guy, this Jewish military leader at this point who's, who's killed a bunch of their people, you know? And they say, isn't this not David? And then, so David, realizing that he's been recognized, he's, he's between a rock and a hard place, for, for real, right? And so he... You know, whether this was God's idea or not, we kind of debated in Bible studies. But either way, he decides, I'm going to act like a fool. I'm going to act crazy. So the, the, the story you can read in 1 Samuel 21, but he starts drooling on his beard, right? He starts writing weird things in weird places, uh, just acting like a madman. And essentially, uh, this guy, Abimelech, uh, or Achish is his other name, he says, 
I've got enough madmen around my territory. What, why are you guys bringing me another madman? Right? I don't need another madman hanging around here. Uh, maybe you feel like that in your family sometimes. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I, you know, so he, I have no reason to have this guy around. So this is a really interesting story. We've got Saul chasing David. His life's at risk there. We have Achish, this powerful Philistine ruler, Achish the Abimelech, and he has no real reason to tolerate David. It's almost like a trophy was brought to him, right? A guy who'd killed his giant warrior is brought to him, and yet David lives, right? He escapes Saul, and he escapes this area of Gath. And this got David thinking, right? This got David thinking like, man, God must have allowed me to live. Because if God wanted me to die, I'd be dead, right? And so out of that experience, he writes this deep reflection that we just read, Psalm 34. And I think you can see his basic answer in this psalm out of that experience is, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times, verse 1. <laughs> like, who am I to not bless the Lord? Now that's, we could say, an aspirational verse. He aspired, I want to bless the Lord at all times. We know the rest of David's life because of the scriptures, and we know he wasn't perfect from then on out, was he? He did some things. Maybe he shouldn't have done, but he is aspiring, saying, based on what God has done for me and who God is, I, I should bless him at all times. And he creates this song. This was actually a song at different times in Jewish tradition that was sung and, 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 and encourages the congregation, sing along with me about our, our good God, right? So I want to go through the basic structure of this psalm, and we're going to break it into to first half and second half in true football tradition here. Uh, you're getting this from a cross-country coach, so, you know, uh, played one year of football, so we might get it wrong, but, you know, football is one of the other religions uh, in our area, uh, so much so that some people don't go to church as much when this team is playing, that's the Seahawks, if you can't see the screen, but I'm not going to judge that, it just seems like sudden colds come on a Sunday morning when the Seahawks play at 10 o'clock, uh, but anyway, we're going to go through first and second half of that, I, I love the Seahawks too, I, I go way back with them, but anyway, uh, we're going to talk about establishing the running game. Um, David is literally on the run, but the, the running game, in a sense, if you're going to run this life, as, as the New Testament talks about, running the race, what's the best way to run this, this race of life in this world that is going to have many afflictions, as the psalm said, right? Or Jesus said, you will have many troubles. What's the best way to run? It's, well, quite simply, it's run behind God's protection. He's the ultimate offensive line, if you want to put it in fo football terms, right? He is your protection, and, and David is saying, run behind him. So he says things like, I will bless him. His praise shall be in my mouth. Like a good quarterback, when they have a good offensive line, you know what they do in the NFL? Usually? They buy like their offensive linemen Rolexes, or sometimes now, because their salaries are so huge, they buy them cars, right? Yeah, this is real, right? Uh, because they know that, I mean, these guys protect me. They keep me from getting hit. And they don't get those gifts if they don't do a good job, right? So, so you, 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 you need his protection. He's saying, God, you are my protection. And let the humble hear and be glad, he says. Let, hey, listen to this. God is real protection. Okay, and, and, and magnify the Lord with me. He's calling the congregation. He says, let's do this together. Let's realize the protection we have in the Lord. It, he doesn't, he, there are afflictions that come in this life, but when we live with God, I mean, we have the protection our souls need. David says, verse 4, he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. We, we know God is good. He hears our fears. He knows, he knows when we are in, a, in, in trouble. He knows when the enemies uh, are bigger than us, and we just 
can't get out of it on our own. David should not have been able to get out of the trouble he was on on his, on his own, right? He's got one king behind him and, and he's in another king's territory, right? And he's not really a king with an army yet. I mean, he's a future king, but he gets out of it, right? So David is, is saying, you know, based on my experiences and who I've experienced God to be, look to God. He's got the best game plan. And it says, when you look to God, you are radiant. Those who look to God are radiant. We're going to talk more about that in a bit. But when you look to God, you're radiant and you can be unashamed. You can be unashamed. So it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. David said, the Lord, here's the poor man. David was poor when he was on the run from Saul. We're used to King David, maybe, if you're used to the Bible. Uh, and he was a rich man who lived in a palace at the end of his life. Uh, but this David that we hear about in Psalm 34, he's poor. So if, you, if you've been poor in your life, you know, if you've tried to rub two nickels together to get a quarter at some point, uh, you know what that's like. Uh, David, David was poor, okay? And he says, hey, God hears you. And so some of the subjects of David who were reading this psalm, like, hey, the king gets it, man. The king, king understands it. And they're also saying, yeah, the, the God of the poor is the same God over the people who have money, too. There's one God. And then David says, the angel of the Lord encamps around us. So I remember I said Saul was behind him chasing him, and then he's in another guy's territory. But David has this aha moment when he's able to escape. Like, But you know who is bigger than all of that? God. The Lord encamps around me. That's my true protection. God, you know, back to football terms, God throws blocks for us. We think we're about to get nailed, and God, God, if we really call out to him, God can make the way clear for us. So he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So you, you have an active part in this, right? You've, God is who God is. God wants to protect the righteous. God wants to have a relationship with you. He really does. But if you choose to just cower and run off the field and, and whine and say, oh, there's troubles and there's pain out there in life, then you can't enjoy the protection and the rescue he's going to provide you. You've got to step out in faith and follow his blocks, so, in a sense. He's saying, taste and see it. You've got to take it in, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. He really is. With the scriptures, that means, hey, get into it. If you've been out of the scriptures for a while, I just challenge you. In a good way, start somewhere. A verse a day, I don't care, start somewhere, chapter a day. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You will see that, and it will be good for you, okay? So there, there's not just the first half in a the game, there's the second half. And we, he, if you're with the Lord, he's going to provide you a big lead, so then you can you know, consider that you need to play defense as well with that big lead that God gives you. And verses 12 through 22 uh, you know, are really kind of, wise advice. If you read this whole psalm again, or maybe as you, some of you read it this week, you might say, man, the second half of this psalm really feels like Proverbs. It feels like wise advice for living. And, and a lot of, if you notice that, you're, you're, you're in good company. A lot of smart commentators, that's what they say, uh, that, that, that this feels like wise advice for living, like the whole book of Proverbs. And basically it's saying, okay, based on what happened in David's life and what David reflected on and that God's going to protect us and he's good, we, we've got to do some things wisely in our life because we've got an insurmountable lead when we play with God. There is nothing greater than God. Nothing can outdo God, right? God can forgive your sins. Nothing's going to ever outlove God. Nothing's more important than God. Nothing's more powerful than God. So you have an insurmountable lead in that sense. So David is saying, if you want a good life, you want to enjoy the life, who is it that wants a good life, he asks. 
If you want a good life, if you want to enjoy this, this life of being with God, then, then really play on God's terms. Don't speak evil of one another. Don't put evil out there in the world. It's so easy to do, right? So easy to coast in this life and, and just be like the world around us and to, to return evil for evil or to get involved in gossip or lying or whatever it is. And, and David's saying, hey, if God's going to protect you and get you out of stuff, maybe we should return you know, uh, worship to him in a sense by how we use our mouth. We should not speak deceit, right? We should, we should turn from evil, he says. So the truth is, with this insurmountable lead that God gives us, especially through Jesus Christ, we can still choose to sin. David did, unfortunately. He fumbled the ball a couple times in his later life, right? And we can too. But what David is saying, generally what we should want to do is seek the good things of God. He says, seek peace, or in the Jewish term, shalom, wholeness. Seek what's really best, the fullness of life that you can have. Seek reconciliation with others. Seek peace with God. Seek peace in your community. Be a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. We've got enough Christians who are non-peacemakers, so those jobs are filled. So I'm just releasing all of you to be peacemakers, because you already, right? We already know. So just why not do the, ones, the job that Jesus said there's plenty of room for? Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Go out there and find ways to talk with people and, and, and share love and goodness with people. And, and as you do that, remember what this psalm says and what Jesus said too. Things can get tough. Things can get tough because of decisions we make, but things can get tough anyway, right? Just totally apart from our decisions. There is just stuff in this world that has happened to some of us and some of you that's just terribly difficult. And this psalm is one of my favorite psalms because it speaks so honestly to that, right? He says, I hear the cry of my people. I see you. And I want to say to you today, he really does see you. David said, he really did see me. He really sees you. The scriptures say, Psalm 139 says, he he saw you as you were being knit together in your mother's womb. There wasn't a moment where God didn't see you, right? Since he's, he's near to the brokenhearted, he's near to the crushed spirit. He saves those who are crushed in spirit, right? So, second half, you know, he also says, hey, there is going to be those who just decide to be on the other team and who are going to try to take swipes at you and don't worry about them. I'm going to take care of them, right? They will be gone from the earth. That's pretty brutal language, but, but don't worry about that. He said, I'm going to take care of them. They'll try to get you now, but I'm going to take care of that. So in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. God is near to the brokenhearted, saves us, and overcomes our brokenness. So uh, that's a little bit of the first half and the second half. I want to do three key words before we wrap up that I find encouraging that can help us be rooted. Maybe these words God will bring to mind this week or this month for you to help us be rooted in radical gratitude. And the first one is radiant. And maybe it jumped off the page for you uh, as you heard it, but verse five speaks of us that, that we can be radiant as we look to him. And this gets to a principle that I heard a preacher share a couple years ago that's really just been sticking to me. We become uh, like the one we behold, right? Uh, the old line is you are what you eat, <laughs> but you honestly become like what you worship. Another way of saying it, it's just common sense logic, spiritual logic, reality logic. Whatever is most important to you is going to set your priorities and values, right? 
So if it's wealth, if it's, if it's popularity, if it's getting along with everybody, but d- the truth doesn't matter, whatever it is in your life that's most important, that's gonna end, you're end up going to be, you're going to look like that. So whatever your God is, whatever you behold is what you over time become like. And if you, be, if you be, spend a lot of time beholding God and you're in awe of God and that there is a God who was perfect in eternity and chose to make us anyway, I mean, he doesn't get more perfect because he created us, right? He was always perfect, but he's so gracious, so freely giving. He says, I want to make other beings who can have relationships with one another and relationship with me. And when we look to that God who's so freely giving, when we look to that God who, when we, when we broke the relationship, when we fell short, he said, I want to freely give of myself. I want to freely give my son to make the way for them to be restored, to, to show them my deep love, to, to give them real restoration so that I can pour out my spirit into them again. When we look to that God who is that good, we become a bit more radiant every time we look to him. When his light shines on us, when we, when we take it in, it, it reflects off us. Jesus himself said, of us who believe, you're like a city on a hill. And basically, if we look to him, we cannot be hidden. And it's, he's not saying, because you're so good or you're so awesome. He's saying, because when you live with me, that's just how it's going to be. Right? So part of our life as following Jesus, a big part of our life is looking to him. That's what we're doing in worship today, right? Looking to him together, but every day, when you wake up, every day with your first breath, look to him and say, Lord, this is a day that you have given me. This is a day that you have made. I want want to reflect you. So the word here, well, I can't even say it right. Wenaharu or something like that. Okay. It, it means, literally, it's, it's, it's a word for light, and it could be lightened, it could mean a beam of light, right? So when we, when we look to God, our faces are radiant. It really reflects on our personality, and I bet you just have one of those special people in your life who is a deep person of faith, who really, it wasn't like they were a light bulb, but they shined. Their life shined, right? And, and I'm guessing, I hope each one of you has a person like that in your life, like, I want to be like them. And why were they like who they were? Because they looked to God. That's, that's why they were, right? And so as you look to God, you become more radiant because of his grace upon you. You become like the one you worship. Um, the next word is refuge, kasa. That's an easier word to say, kasa. You can say it if you want to clear your throat. Kasa, okay. Uh, you know, uh, so it, it's to find trust in something, to find shelter in something. It, it, it's, it's to trust enough to settle down with someone, right? You trust a person enough and you settle down with them in marriage. You trust God and you say, I, I, I believe God is real and I settle down in God in faith. He, God is my refuge. God is my protection. We, we sit down and we eat at the Lord's table. We're gonna eat at the Lord's table today in communion. We, we sit where we are actually in our tradition, but in a sense, we sit around the table. We say, we trust that this points to God's love through Jesus Christ, and we settle in this. We have refuge in this, that his body was really broken, his blood was really poured out, and, and that somehow God, God used that sacrifice to forgive us and make us whole. And we take that bread and we take that cup, we taste and see that it is good because God is good. You know, the story before the story in 1 Samuel 21 is David actually tasting something, eating bread. They were on the run and there was no bread to be found and he and his people were starving and there was the special sacred bread that the Jewish people ate. 
And there was no other bread to be found. And so they had to basically get permission to eat the sacred ritual bread. And I don't think that was a coincidence. I think God was saying, eat of my bread, right? To point to the one day when we were going to eat of the living bread, Jesus. He is your refuge. When all kinds of things are going haywire in your life, take it in every day that God is with you. He really, his body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. Take that in. May that be your refuge, your peace. People who have that peace, even to the dying days, their dying breaths, it's, it's just different. As the scriptures say, it's a peace that the world cannot give. So I just encourage you again, taste and see. Take in the Lord. You can always be thankful for the Lord. The next word is near. Karob. You can say karob. Okay. Some of you could say it. Some of you are like, ah, I'm not that thankful yet. Okay, uh, right? So, karo. Let's try it again, see if more people are thankful. Karo. Okay, maybe, maybe, or they're like, just, will you stop saying that? I don't like repeating stuff in church. Okay, so, uh, so karo. It means near, but not just in a physical sense, but in a relational sense. A relational sense. Like a near relative. Like a first cousin's closer than a second cousin. Okay? So a near relationship, a sibling is closer in relationship, and we know now in DNA profile than a cousin, okay, right? So a word that can be used to describe a near relative, someone who is kin or family. And here's the reality of, of the good news of Jesus Christ. We are brought near to God. We are brought near or into the Lord's family. And the truth of the Lord's family is is full of brokenhearted people. The, the Lord's family is full of brokenhearted people. People who have been brokenhearted by pain in this life or loss in this life or relationships that didn't work out, things they wished they had done better that they need forgiveness of God for. Everybody in the family of God in some way has a broken heart and, and, and is humbly recognizing God is my healing. And that's what David is saying. God is my healing. What I learned when I couldn't, couldn't get through things on my own, David's saying is, he was near me in my broken heart. David had a mentor, Saul, that he wanted to have a close relationship with. He used to play music for him. He was best friends with Saul's son. And this guy becomes somebody who wants to kill him. I believe David had a broken heart over that. But God was near to David in, when, he, when his life was at risk, when this relationship was ruined. And David gets to pass on this deep truth to us, and I hope it's a deep personal truth to you. Hear it, taste it. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed spirit. There are people out there saying God is all kinds of other things, right? Hateful, judgmental, yada, yada. This says God is near to the brokenhearted. He knows the heartbeat of those who are hurting and he saves the Christian spirit. That's who God is, right? He doesn't come as Jesus said. I don't, I don't come for those who have it all together, don't have any heart pain, aren't sick. He says, I come for the sick, the broken, those who, who need my help. If you think you've got it all figured out, you think you don't need forgiveness, go see how that works, right? But I've come for those who know they need me, which is really all of us. So, last couple of thoughts. What are we going to do with this? Well, do what David did. 
Look to the Lord. Behold him. Seek him. Call out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Know that as you look to him, something is happening in you. Even when you don't feel it, he is making you radiant. You are radiant by the grace of God. And he is so good. You can always give thanks for the Lord. He is worthy of thanks. He is our refuge. I encourage you to take refuge in him. In prayer, in times of worship, in times of studying his word, take refuge in him. Don't run from him when things get tough. Run to him. Seek the Lord, right? When afflictions happen because of sinful choices, admit it. Seek forgiveness. David did that. When afflictions come because of things outside of your control, seek him. He is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushing spirit. We can always be thankful for the Lord. You know, there's a saying in the world, what does not kill us makes us stronger. Uh, I think the biblical twist on that is what does, does not kill us can cause us to lean on the Lord. That's what happened for David. They didn't kill me, and I learned... That's because I have to lean on the Lord. And then the Christian can add, and some things are eventually going to kill us. But not even death can be separated by Je- can separate us from Jesus Christ, right? Because he's defeated death itself. Lord God, may we be rooted radically, deeply in you. We can always give thanks to you, for you are always good, always loving, always victorious. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook or we are on Uh, the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at palousechurch.org to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way, and may God bless your day.